Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome into a new era for Dialed In, a podcast by the High Cotton Club, presented by Unknown Golf. This is episode 66. I am your co-host, Connor Hendrickson, joined again this week by our co-host, John Stewart, for uh, a special time for Dialed In, a podcast by the High Cotton Club and the High Cotton Club overall, as we recorded this episode in our brand new studio. Maybe you're watching on Spotify. We're testing some technical stuff, so hopefully the broadcast comes out well, but we look forward to all the things that will come from this studio and just continuing the mission of getting 1% better every day. And we appreciate you supporting that mission by listening and uh, getting involved with the High Cotton Club. And uh, listening to today's episode, you can expect a little bit of what you received in the last episode, except from mine and Stu's perspective. We talked the Roost Club Championship, the Yellow Hammer, our preview for the NIT, talk a little bit about the High Cotton Classic. I can report since we recorded this episode that the match in question, the championship match between Dustin Ball, Josh Hollingsworth, Sam Roten, Philip Cooey, looks like that will happen November 10th. That is the date that uh, has been laid on the table after having to move some things around. So it sounds like that will be November 10th at Toby Club. But um, as the calendar year winds down in the High Cotton Club, the opportunities to get involved, they're, they're, they're going away, folks. So uh, take advantage while you can. Register for Santa Slam. It's the final event of the 2023 calendar year. Registration for the Gallup already full. So this is your last chance to get involved in the High Cotton Club season schedule for this year. Uh, registration closes November 19th, so check Instagram, check your Unknown Golf Player portal for all the information regarding that. Um, it's going to be a great time. Registration $75. We're going to do a $20 uh, Secret Santa, but um, the gifts that we're giving away, those will be posted on Instagram by the time this podcast comes out, and they're fantastic, So, uh, or the prizes, rather. So get involved with Santa Slam. If you can't make that date or maybe you just want to double up on events, start off the new year with the Overlook at Limestone Springs, the first event of the 2024 year. And it was the first time that we had an overnight event as part of the High Cotton Club last year. One of our favorite venues, thanks to our guy Justin Meese, uh, assistant superintendent out there. So we appreciate um, Limestone Springs for hosting us, getting us out there. And we look forward to getting down there with the fellas uh, for another overnight trip. Uh, Check Instagram, social media your unknown golf player portal for more information and to register registration closes December 18th. So make sure you get involved with that again, registration through unknown golf, unknown golf, our presenting sponsor. If you're tired of counting up dots, if you get annoyed typing in six letter codes for every tournament or yelling across fairways to find out other group scores, or maybe you're the guy at your club with binders and spreadsheets stacked up to track handicaps and scores for your group games. If so, you need unknown golf. Unknown golf is the golf scoring system that weekend warriors everywhere have been waiting for. Unknown gives every player a live leaderboard for their game and integrates real handicap data into every tournament, weekend game, and individual round play. It even posts to the USGA for you. Now, we've all seen live scoring apps before. If you've listened to the Nest Pod, you know, Neil gets gets reached out to all the time, but I promise Unknown Golf is different for a lot of reasons. A few of those, Unknown Golf is set apart because of the ability to track every side bet or game that you can imagine simultaneously, not to mention the Calcutta features, the chat feature. I mean, it goes on and on. Listen to our uh, interview with D-May last week as part of episode 65 for more. Just hit the challenge button that D-May likes so much at any point during your round to add additional bets, press, or challenge any other person using the app. All bets and scores are displayed on an easy-to-read dashboard, and data is tracked and easily searched for to discover long-term trends and totals for the individual unknown golf tracks, net gross, and course-specific scoring averages, among dozens of other data points. All of the High Cotton Club uses unknown golf, and you should too. 
Visit unknowngolf.com to create your player profile and download the app. Unknown Golf, the scoring app for the serious casual golfer. Now, without any further ado, let's run that intro music. Rich, some guys like it quiet, some guys like it loud. This is. Yeah, the gator needs to look like he needs some exercise. I don't know. Now that he has to play the shot, test anyone. It's a great story. Welcome in to Dialed In, a podcast by the High Cotton Club. Episode 66, coming to you from Casa de Hendrickson. Connor, we've got a we've got a new setup here. Everything looks good. The wall turned out great. Tell us about the future of our podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm always happy to be here, happy to be here with you, uh, of course, but Especially happy today as we're kind of in our, our studio for the first time. Um, spent a little bit of time on the old TikTok, figuring out how I could set up a, a quick and easy, affordable um, little backdrop. And I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. Hopefully the clips come out well. You know, we'll try to uh, start posting videos with the podcast on Spotify and then, you know, pump out three, four clips from the podcast a week. Try to keep the pot on top of everybody's mind and, uh, you know, boost those listens. Um, you know, make our, our sponsors money worthwhile and, and keep that uh, train rolling. Yeah, you know, we've been talking about doing this for a while now since we started doing the podcast, eventually getting a, introducing a little bit of video, uh, trying to make sure we get some reels out there. But uh, I think it's turned out really well. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, uh, high cotton merchandise everywhere. If you're not uh, watching and you're just listening, um, wooden backdrop, we got the Gallup tee, the Extinction, a little unknown golf, our prime jersey from the Roots Club Championship, and my uh, caddy bib from the NIT last year with a myriad of hats and merchandise in front of us. So, um, you know, hopefully this is something that over the course of time you want to start watching more than listening and, and kind of figuring out how to do both. But in the meantime, we have a lot to dive into today here on episode 66 of Dialed In with uh, uh, last week, episode 65, a lot of guests. Um, I don't know if you had time because you know it was, it was a little bit longer episode to, to tune into it all but um of course we have to thank um casey from no laying up for joining pete sands from cherokee ridge and david may from unknown golf all for joining the pod um and excited to kind of touch on some of those things that we touched on last week with you this week just in a little bit more depth this week yeah i got to listen to most of it and it, it turned out really great the uh, of course it's been a busy few i guess busy month i guess uh, for us, been doing a lot of traveling, but um, where do you want to where do you want to start? Was go back to Roos let's Club go chronologically, yeah. Roos Club Championship. Um, I want to kind of just start as painful it is as it is to kind of go back and relive all of those memories. Um, it's it's what we have to do, and so I'm curious. Just 
a little bit of your personal recap um, to start. Kind of if you can summarize the weekend. Um, obviously, you got the experience to go to the Roost Club Championship last year, but this year being so close to home was definitely a lot different vibe, I felt like. Um, but, yeah, tell, tell me how you felt. Yeah, I mean, you can't beat the vibes that you get at Sweetens, whether it be just going to play or with your buddies or going to play competitively like we were. But uh, as comparative to last year, I mean, it didn't disappoint. It mm-hmm. it was hard. I had a hard time trying to imagine if how it could exceed last year's at Bruff Creek. And honestly, to me, maybe it's just recency bias, but I feel like it did. Like I just had a great time. Love getting to stay in the birdhouse. Golf course was in perfect condition. It was getting a little crispy and a little windy out there, which is exactly what you want to see for Sweetens Cove. Yeah, it was that first like cold front of the year came through right as we were down there. And uh, yeah, those mornings, they were definitely crispy. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, conditions as far as the golf course goes, like you said, it was the firmest I'd ever seen. It wasn't the fastest, but when the wind got blowing, it became really, really firm out there. And uh, man, it was a test of golf. And we had talked about it heading into it. We kind of needed that to separate ourselves from the high handicappers getting all their shots. And that proved to be exactly what we needed. Yeah, the way the scoreboard worked out, it, it really was, for the most part, the lower handicappers that started migrating towards the top as the golf course got tougher. And as the wind got picked up, just if you if you didn't hit a crispy shot into those greens, it, it was gone. It mm-hmm. just wasn't going to hold it. Um, but I, I don't think we could ask for better weather because it, it, it was a little cool in the mornings, but by the time the – the sun got up in the sky. It, it was real nice. It's perfect. Just just enough wind to make the golf course play tough and to, and to dry it out a little bit because we did have some rain that day, the day before we started the tournament on our practice round. So it, mm-hmm. it dried it out real quick. Did you have any uh, key or specific highlights that you take away from the weekend? Uh, I don't like to think about how many times I three-putted, but it turns out – some of those pin locations, especially the second round we played, yes, a three putt was almost. You're kind of hoping for a three putt if you if you were in a certain spots. That mm-hmm. number three, the par five, when they moved it all the way to that back little, just ten foot wide circle that fell off the back. Yeah, that was that was very tough to to two putt to me. I, I saw. I mean, half my group putted off the back. Yeah, I putted off the back. And then I, I don't even think that I chipped back on. I think I rolled back to my feet. And that's why later on or the next day, I chipped from on the green there in the uh, playoffs and still ended up off the green. I hit three that, for five chipping up and down on the greens, which I'll, I'll take that. I hit that green in two and had 20 feet. And the first putt was very defensive. The second putt was even more defensive. Mm-hmm. And I still had to make, I think, like a six-footer for my par. Yeah. It was, some of those pins really they did get tricky, but it, that that's what makes that golf course so fun to play. I mean, the greens are as advertised. And I think that's what makes it fair when you're ha- coming into an event that is so uh, steered towards high handicaps, having a, a bit of an advantage. Um, you know, on that golf course, if it was – center of the green hole locations if it was easy tee boxes everything like that it could have gotten gone a completely different way and so compliments to the nlu crew and to the sweetens ground crew for setting it up that way and then obviously having the course play that way yeah and the the dinner you know first night i was glad to you know 
kind of get to reconnect with a few people that that mm-hmm. we knew from Roots Club Championship uh, last year, and then got to meet some new faces. I thought it turned out really well. I think we drank way more high noons than everyone anticipated. Uh, yeah, drank all of the high noons for the weekend on night one, which is uh, something to kind of be proud of, I guess. Yeah, I think they uh, undervalued the market there for, for that. High noon is number one every time. Every time. But it was good to uh, you know reconnect with a few of those guys. And then, of course, we got to stay in the birdhouse with uh, our buddies from Electric Factory. And of course, the no laying up uh, guys and girls were were upstairs. Uh, that place was um, surprisingly. Uh, I, I guess they put some money into it, but it um, when you walk into the inside, surprisingly, like looks like they've done some updating to it and, and put a lot of work into that. I'm a fan. I, I think the upstairs kind of feels like home, mm-hmm. and the downstairs kind of feels like a dorm room, locker room vibe which is exactly what you want for kind of a, a guy's weekend getaway, right? Or a golf getaway is to be able to, to go upstairs, maybe have a nice meal, relax, <laughs> watch some TV. And then wherever you're staying, living, washing up, you know, whatever happens, happens. All I can sit there and think about was, so me and Josh got to stay upstairs and you and D-Ball and the, uh, one of the guys from Electric Factory stayed um, in the bunks, in the bunk room. And we went downstairs. It was a little musky when we went in there that morning because y- y'all didn't turn the fan on. No, and had yeah. the door closed. That, and- that was a mistake on that one. No fan was a big, big mistake. <laughs> Me and Josh walked in. It, it felt like it was about to rain in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I get hot enough at night anyway. So uh, we had the fan on after that for sure. Uh, but other than that, obviously, night one was great. Uh, we talked a little bit about the rounds itself. Um, anything from your play that you, you're really going to like carry with you, anything that you're proud of? Yeah. I'm, I felt like my short game was pretty good there, which it, it needs to be to score. Well, uh, one thing that I was pretty proud of is that I'm proved by one shot every single round we had especially during we the like play. We like that. And the golf course is getting tougher. So it, that's one thing I'll take away is that it, even though the golf course is getting tougher, that my game was in a good enough place to, uh, you know, be able to improve each and every round and, and get better. And I think that's, I think we all sort of did something like that where we started to separate ourselves a little bit with the stroke play. Yeah. Um, I know the out had a really good final round and made up some ground on us, but for the most part, um, we were in good shape with the stroke play the entire time. Whereas last year, we kind of put ourselves behind the eight ball early. Yeah. And this year we weren't in the lead after round one, but also last year was two 18 hole rounds. So there's more time to kind of like, Oh crap, we're this far behind and then more time to catch up as well. And so this year, yeah, we were in like third after round one, but it was just a steady climb into that first, I think in round two. And then we never looked back until um, the semifinals and the finals. And again, congratulations to the gentleman from locale Uh, hats off to you. It's uh some some hard fought competitors over there, some cold blooded killers. I don't know if I love the way these Californians compete. I would like to see them uh, get a little bit more fire under the collar. A lot of Xander and Morikawa energy out there, but yeah, you can't you can't say anything when they go out there and they walk in birdie putts to win the whole goddamn tournament. Yep, and I and I got to play with um, Joey Nish, same Cal, uh, the third round, and. 
uh, of course, he knew Turley. Uh, we talked about that a little bit. I was like, but I've never met anybody from Southern California who just wasn't a stick. And he was. He, I mean, he could play. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I actually uh, impaired with him at uh, the NIT this year, too. Love that. Well, before we get into the NIT, again, congratulations to Locale. Um, it was a pleasure competing against the gentleman from RACDG uh Great Britain and Ireland always mix up one RACDG. That's always a mouthful. And then I don't know if it's Europe, Great Britain and Ireland. I don't know how they're they're branding these days. I've been calling them Europe for a long time, but I think they're they're going towards Great Britain and Ireland. Um, so was well, something to monitor for sure. But um, again, it was a pleasure to compete against them, compete with them, um, meet and and interact with everybody in the field. Uh, before we get into the NIT, or the Yellow Hammer, do you have any kind of comments to wrap up the Roos Club Championship? Yeah. Um, like I say, the, the golf sort of, when you look back on it, becomes secondary. The, the main thing to take away from it is friendships and, you know, it, it stings to have second place again. But, you know, still, that's just the competitor in us. But I thoroughly enjoyed the weekend. I had a great time with everyone I played with and really appreciate everyone over at No Lang Up and the staff at Sweetens for, for being good hosts for us. Absolutely. Enough can't be said about um, No Lang Up and Aaron and the entire crew for setting us up, hosting us. Um, this weekend is one that obviously we've had bookmarked ever since we did fall short last year. And it was a, it was a mission of the entire high cotton club to go back and to, uh, to get it done and to win. So like you said, even though we got second stings, you can still leave that weekend with new friends, great memories, right? All that stuff. But before we move on, I, I've, I've kind of, you know, alluded to how much it meant to me. I made some comments about all that stuff. We don't have to get into it entirely. But if you could just briefly tell the High Cotton Club, like, I, I cared, man. I really yeah. cared. Yeah, I mean, and you could tell. I mean, we we all cared, but, you know, you used to work there. You know, this this was very important to you. And, you know, we we sort of, we felt bad. We kind of let you down, too. But no, we'll, uh, we'll get another chance at it. So hopefully, I mean, from I'm, I'm sure nothing has been – set in stone or anything, but there was a lot of conversation about, you know, maybe keeping it there permanently going mm -hmm. forward. Yeah. Which I think it one works great for us being in high cotton country, the travel time, all that stuff. Love that. Love having a home field advantage seemingly every year. Right. But two, it is an easy location to travel to. Um, I think, you know, only being two, two and a half hours from Nashville and Atlanta. Um, but then also, like you said, it, it's tough to replicate, replicate something like BCN where everybody can be there for the entire time. Sweetens is probably as close as you can get to that. Having enough people be within earshot, have most of the golf course be within um, your visual range. And so I think that Sweetens is a great home for it. And obviously the way that Aaron um, arranged everything for people to kind of stay like it was summer camp and all the houses, that was fantastic. I mean, being able to run over to the birdhouse instead of being, you know, 20 minutes from a hotel or something like that, that was that was awesome. Yeah, there's not nothing can be said about just the logistics of it itself. So, I mean, shout out to to Aaron for you know putting all that together and and as all I mean, she always kills it anyway. But it it was really nice to be everyone to have so close we could walk to and from the golf course, and uh, you didn't have to worry about any of that. 
Yeah. And shout out the high cotton club for all of your support over the 2023 season. Um, sorry that we didn't get it done, but dang it, we tried. And, uh, if, if there's one thing that we can take away from it, I truly, uh, I've never felt more confident in our season structure, how we set up our qualifiers, how the high cotton club operates. Uh, I think we, you know, um, we set ourselves up for success and that's about all you can ask for, ask for. Yep. All you can ask for is a chance. We've given ourselves a chance to win it two years in a row. We'll get it done. One of the ways uh, that we set ourselves up for success is putting ourselves in competitive situations like derbies. The derby at the Yellow Hammer was a heck of a time. Um, shout out my partner, Alex Kreider, my, my big dog. Uh, he's going to have some serious scar tissues from derbies, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, the Yellow Hammer, I know that you rolled in hot. Appreci appreciate that. Um, tell us a little bit about your personal recap from the Yellowhammer. Yeah, so it actually all started like the Thursday after we got back from Roos Club Championship. Um, about a year or so ago, I had noticed I dented the shaft in my nine iron, which it still seemed to be fine, but I was like, eventually this is probably going to go. Well, last Thursday or that Thursday after the Roos Club Championship was when it went. I was at the top of my swing on number three at Legacy, and it just snapped in the handle. I swung through with just the handle. The club just fell to the ground. So we had the yellow hammer coming up that weekend. So the next day, I dropped it off at Edward Watts. Uh, no free shout-outs here, but appreciate those guys working quickly to to get my club reshafted. Picked it up. Yeah, no free shout-outs, but if you are a club company or a yeah. golf shop out there and you want to spawn, I mean, we will come to you every time. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, so I dropped it off uh, Friday afternoon. They said I could pick it up when they opened on Saturday, which I appreciated, but it's two and a half hours or two hours and 20 minutes from Edwin Watts to Cherokee Ridge. And they open at 10 and my tea time was at 1230. So I was there waiting when the doors got open. Uh, Wouldn't it be nice if you could have been there the night before, like when they closed, because obviously they just let it cure overnight, right? Yeah. But he, he had told me to just pick it up Saturday morning. So, but anyway, got it picked up, headed out, pulled in like six, seven minutes before tea time. Everybody's taking pictures and it's like, all right, everybody just hold on one second before you go to your carts. I, I had told the guys that you're playing with, I was like, all right, if Stu's not here, just go and start playing. But you pulled in right on time, ready to go, got in the group picture, everything is golden. Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Didn't need to hit range balls anyway. Nah, those are overrated. The uh, first tee shot I did hit it about 70 yards right, but luckily there was another fairway over there. So, What hole did you start on? Uh, the par five number, was it two? Three. Three? Yep. The the one that kind of dog leg left through the mm -hmm. trees. I just hit it way over into that other right fairway. We're fine. <laughs> yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Just a little late on it, but wasn't quite loose yet. But uh, really like that golf course. It. Um, I, it's one that I'd really like to have another crack at. Um, I think it's, it was one that set up tough for people who have never played it before. There's a lot of blind shots and there's a lot of holes that really isn't a driver. Um, a lot of holes that calls for a proper shot off the tee. That's, you know, maybe a four iron or maybe a hybrid. And, you know, you, I hit several good tee balls where I pulled up over the hill and just like, dang it. Like it's going off the side of a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and if you, I'm hesitant to even say if you can like push it around those corners and drop it in those spots, like it's just not worth it. 
because yeah. you're going to get caught. When it's playing fast like it was, I feel like it. you had to hit a proper shot. Like You had to lay back a little bit. I think it's a second-shot golf course. I think you're just looking for position off the tee, but I think where you score is hitting good second shots. And um, we were we were lucky to have a um, a member from Cherokee Ridge there that pretty much showed us how to play that golf course in the Derby because he I didn't get to watch him during his regular round, but he he played really well and then he he took it he just took it all the way to the end in the Derby. Yeah, again, shout out Mr. Adam Jacobs. Just uh, they call him AJ around Cherokee Ridge, and that man. Just rolling around. I guess started calling him Wild Hog because he had that motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just he's the he's got to be Cherokee Ridge's uh, Miguel on Hill Jimenez. Yeah, just like the he's coolest the guy. Cigar. Yeah, I could definitely see him on the driving range with a bottle of wine and cigar. Just, just <laughs> hitting one-handed wedges yeah. within ten feet of the flag every yeah. time. Yep, that's that guy. Love that. Yeah, he was a he was a cool cat. He was a smooth customer. How'd your round go? Uh, not bad considering I had several. Not penalty shots yeah. from hitting it in the wrong spots, but uh, like I shot 80, I think, huh. which you know, net 76 wasn't too bad for the first time around, but I think I could definitely shave a few shots off just by hitting different clubs off the tee. Yeah, well, we talked about it with Pete a little bit last week that we had a format to where um, the double digit handicaps were in one flight, the single digit handicaps were in another flight. We paid out the top three for each of those flights, um, but then we went to the all shot derby, which two man all shot. A lot of things can happen uh, really quickly, and that first hole was kind of the epitome of that. There was a time there where I thought doubles were going to advance. It was uh, it was a bleak scene. Yeah, I've never been so hyped to make a 20-footer for double bogey because <laughs> I thought it was going to get us through. Um, we, uh, well, yeah, we hit it right down the middle, and then uh, he honestly he carried it over the um, the creek. And I had just a slight downhill live, a little wet shot, nipped it just like I wanted to, and it just careened over the green. Yeah. It, I thought you were going to be in a great, great, great spot just putting back up at the flag. And then, uh, yeah, similar over here, I I told Kreider, like, I'm just going to be in the middle of the green. And I hit it perfectly in the middle of the green, pin high. And uh, we talked about that putt that he hit for 45 minutes on the way to Arkansas. I mean <laughs> – we we just got to work on his putting in those pressure situations. We we should have. I mean, shout out Adam Jacobs, but uh, Cryer and I might could have won that derby. Might could have. Well, um, I believe I played with uh, Mike. Mike, I think Michael Moore. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, we ejected first hole. That's fine. He got paid in the <laughs> uh, in the individual. Um, so he, you know, great time for him and. Uh, he's been a great member, kind of holding it down over in East Tennessee. So it was great to, that he was able to make the trip um, with uh, James Winstead also coming down from Nashville. James with AJ, those are the guys who got it done in the Derby. And credit to those guys. I mean, we're talking about the golf course and how tight it is off the tee, how it's a second shot golf course if you're going to get rewarded. In an alternate, alternate shot format, like that's just magnified. And so to be able to not only win, but they were making – pars on every single hole uh, I, I think the last hole that they won on they didn't make par because they both teams hit it into the hazard off the tee but the other team couldn't get it out of the hazard and i think they did get it out and that was the difference yeah and um yeah credit to them i played with james um in the in the regular round he's 
I mean, he's got some game. He made a couple of big numbers, but he played a lot of – he played some pretty solid golf. I think at one point he was, you know, up there at the, uh, leading at one point, I think. Him and Michael Moore both uh, were playing pretty well. I think James ended up just losing out in the scorecard playoff uh, for that third-place payout, something like that. But um, could be wrong there. But we had several guys get into the showdown um, from this event, which is – Obviously, what we're all we're always working towards as part of our Roost season. Um, we talked earlier when we were talking about the Roost Club Championship, how I feel like our format helps separate us and helps set us up for success. Part of that is the showdown. So the guys who earned their spot, I was right. James Winstead did get his spot. Um, Adam Jacobs got it, obviously, for uh, those two winning the Derby. But Jackson Mitchell and Michael Moore are the two guys who did not have a spot who earned it through their play in the individual rounds. Um, so some guys like D-Ball, um, Turley, myself, Alex Kreider also earning spots, um, Drayton Green, but already having a spot, so just keeping other people out of there. Yeah, that's what you're always working for. That's how we. That's how you get on the uh, the Roost Club Championship team. You know, the showdown will be – you want to give yourself as many opportunities as possible to get on that with it only being, you know, three spots. So I think I'm playing in it this year. I think I'm going to play in the showdown. I think I'm going to try to win it. Did you not play in it last year? I played in the in the eighteen hole round. Okay, you didn't. And then I the didn't derby. go to the derby, and that's how Beers got in the derby because I dropped out, and so my score didn't count. And then he ended up winning the whole thing. And now I'm just like sitting here last night. I was looking at the showdown list. And I was like, I I gotta try to win. Like, I gotta try. I really. <laughs> I've already won the classic. I I, I want to win, man. That's why. That's why I'm here, baby. Just win, baby. We take a brief break from today's episode to tell you about the fine folks at the Rudder at Anchor High Marina in Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you've been following the High Cotton Club for a while, if you're watching on video and you see all the fantastic stuff laid out in front of me, that's been in great partnership with Patrick Patton. And he extends that same effort, energy, and execution into everything that he does. That includes what the Patton family is doing at the Rudder at Anchor High Marina. Fantastic food, drink, events voted for 2023 as one of the best outdoor uh, seating spots and dining spots in all of Nashville and Middle Tennessee. And with this past weekend, their fantastic Halloween and holiday party. Hope that you got out there. If you didn't, make sure that you check out their upcoming events. Live music November 3rd, 4th, 10th, 11th, uh, November 17th. Live music all the time, plus happy hours weekly, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 2 o'clock. The Rudder at Anchor High Marina is open Tuesday through Thursday, 11 to 10. Friday through Saturday, 11 to 11, Sunday, 11 to 10. And you can find them at 126 River Road in Hendersonville, Tennessee, or give them a call at 615-348-0129 or visit them online at the Rudder A-H-M. That's the Rudder A-H-M.com. We appreciate them very much. And without any further ado, let's get back to the episode. All right. Um, so any more highlights uh, or comments from you for uh, Cherokee Ridge and the Yellowhammer? Uh, no, I just look forward to going back. Like I say, I'd really like to have another crack at it. Well, speaking of going back, um, we obviously we had talked about planning an event at Suwannee with the Peachtree Collective. Um, some scheduling conflicts came up with that, and so we're going to push that to the fall. Um, so that will be part of our 2025 season. Um, but as far as 2024 goes, we're going to take that May slot, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. We're going to Cherokee Ridge, high cotton versus Cherokee Ridge, little Ryder Cup style. Um, I'll be having a phone call with Pete next week to kind of iron out some details, but 
Um, they're super thrilled to have us back, and obviously we're excited to uh, be welcome back and, and get a team to go down there. And it's going to be super tough to beat those guys on their home track, like really, really tough. But, again, that's another thing where we're putting ourselves in situations where we're going to somebody's home track where they know every shot, where their handicaps are set up perfect, and we're going to go try to beat them. And if we can do that, that's just confidence booster for everybody on that squad. And even if we don't do it, it's a, it's a learning lesson. You know, build that scar tissue and get better for it. Yeah, I mean, you know we're here for all that smoke. We'll travel anywhere. Have clubs, we'll travel. Um, and speaking of traveling, you, me, Josh D-Ball and Mr. Joseph M. San, all traveling to Texas here. Uh, I guess by the time this podcast comes out, we will be in Texas. Um, so thank you to everybody who's listening while we're, you know, battling away at the NIT. Um, but how excited are you to be able to go to your first NIT um, off of the Rouge Club Championship and uh, to compete with some of the boys, compete against some guys you know, some new faces, all that good stuff? Yeah, I can't wait. It sounds like just an amazing resort. And golf courses look pretty tough. I know we're going to be playing it up a little bit, but it looks like it's going to probably be a little soggy, a little chilly, but uh, the resort itself just looks amazing. Of course, it you know it's host to several major championships on LPGA, Senior Tour, PGA Tour. So and that's why they built it. Yep. Yep. So um, Aaron keeps calling it like a Disneyland for golfers. Um, so I mean, it really is a compound. Yeah, exactly. To where we once we get there, we should never have to leave until we go back to the airport. And that's except for I know D-Ball wants to go get some in and out. Right. And I think that, that was his request. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get him taken care of. I'll, I might be convinced to get some fries or something like that. I don't know. I don't know if it's worth the hype, but maybe that's what, what we need to go find out. Yeah, I've never had it. I mean, we don't have any around here. So, no, um, it's that spicy ketchup at Whataburger. I, that's what separates it for me. It's the spicy ketchup. So we'll see if in and out's got anything, anything to counter that. But um, obviously the NIT is uh, the nest invitational tournament put up, presented by no laying up. Uh, we will have, I believe 10 to 12 flights um, with about eight golfers a piece um, flighted by handicap. Everybody will compete over 36 holes in the first day. Um 18 on the west course, which we can ride in golf carts, and then 18 on the east course, which is walking only um, and four caddies required. Four caddies, not not bad caddies, four caddies. Um, so it should be a, a, an exciting first day there, or first day of competition, rather. Um, before that night, everybody will be set in the next day's tee times for the west course um, based on the performances from that day one. And so, you know, if you're in the – the top of your flight based on quota, you'll be paired with the other guys here in the top of the flight. If you're chasing, you'll be paired with the other chasers. So last year I was paired with the leaders, but I was in the third, uh, it was threesomes, I think. And I was in the third spot uh, chasing those guys was a ton of fun. Um, so I, I look forward to being, you know, hopefully in a situation like that again this year. And um, just the, the format, I think is super exciting. It gives you, you know, 54 holes to compete, and then if you win your flight, you go to 18 holes back on the East Course where it will be walking only again, and you're playing your own quota against everybody else who won their flight. So, man, it's going to be a dogfight and yeah. a lot of golf. Yeah, and it's still it's, – it's like the Roos Club Championship where, I mean, even if you even if you weren't to win your, your flight, it's still like the fun's still there. Like going around, watching the guys you know, maybe caddying for them, like there's still – plenty of fun to be had, even if you don't even make it. 
the folks who were driving around watching us last year in the final round had way more fun than I did. I promise. <laughs> they were hooting, holler, hey Connor, you need a drink. Hey Connor, you need this. Like they were having a blast. Now I would not trade spots with them if I had the choice. I hope that I'm, you know, playing again this year. But yeah, it, it's one of those events that no matter how you play, you're gonna go and you're gonna have a great time. As long as you go into it with that mentality. Yeah, and I have I have a feeling that of course they're not gonna reveal the flights until we get down there. Correct. Um I have a feeling D-Ball and I will be in the same flight. I have the I, same feeling. Because I think our handicaps are really close. I have the same feeling. I think Josh will be a flight. I think there there's going to be some, you know, young hitters, great players in that first flight. I think there's going to be, like, plus one to scratch in that second flight. And then I think there's going to be the NLU boys and a bunch of, you know, ones and twos in that next flight. And then I think you guys will actually be in the fourth flight. I, I, it, if the top is that tight. The top might not be that tight. But that's kind of how it broke down last year. You guys may end up being in the second or third, but I feel like it was pretty tight at the top last year. I think I ended up in like the the sixth or the seventh flight. Yeah, and we won't, we can't see anybody's handicaps to even know yet until till we get down there to see. No, I've talked to a couple people. Uh, we'll we'll get there in the question and answer segment. But uh, yeah, I mean, we we have our eyes out on a couple people and uh, excited, just excited. Um, do you have any pairings that you're especially looking forward to? Uh, it'll be good to play with uh, Cal again. Um, I know I get to play with uh, Cody, and I think in my second round. So, of course, he's—I think he's from that area, right? Uh, has moved there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, so, uh, big fan of Cody. I'll have a little local. We'll be picking his brain a little bit and have a little local knowledge. I think is it West Coast? The I mean, the West course first. Mm-hmm. East course second. East course second. That's when you're with them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in the second uh, round, I'm also with Ben and uh, Jayco. If you had asked me his real name before I started talking, I would have said it. But uh, the first NIT champ. So that'll be on the difficult golf course. We should have a, a good group to push the vibes and kind of push each other. And also impaired with uh, the guy I played uh, from Locale. Um, in my second round with Cody, uh, the guy I played in the finals. Sweet. So we love that for you. As, as the only guy who got a point uh, for the High Cotton Club in that final round, we love that for you. Um, yeah, gosh, my man here. Um, all right. Uh, any expectations that you have heading into um, the NIT? I know that we talked about, you know, having fun and all that good stuff, but at the end of the day, we're both competitors. Um, we care about our performance and we care about representing the high cotton club. So for me, you know, I'm, I'm headed down there expecting to win my flight and expecting to make noise in the final round, if not win the entire thing, because it's what I did last year. And I feel like I'm in a better spot mentally and, and potentially physically, depending on how these next couple of days go, because I'm about to hunt hard with this cold front. So depending on how that goes, I feel pretty solid and uh, I'm excited to go down there and try to win this thing. Yeah, uh, we kind of got some crappy weather here in Tennessee this this week, so I probably won't even touch a club until we get down there on Thursday. But yeah, I regret you know, not practicing at all this past weekend, as uh, that was our last best chance. And now it's going to be a week and a half since I've touched a club. Yeah, and it, but at this point in the year, like you know, we're winding down the season, so I, I mean, I feel I'm not going to learn anything between now and then. Yeah, it's just. Going to bring it, try to win the flight, and uh, 
you know, try to keep the ball in front of me the entire time. Looks like I'm going to try and get through the walking round. I feel like I'm going to struggle there. Uh, for those who don't know, I have a really bad right knee. I've dislocated it probably five times in my life and just filled with scar tissue. Uncle so, uh, Josh, maybe Uncle Rico, but let's let's not say that to discredit what John Stewart <laughs> did back in the day. So uh, I know it's going to be hurt. It, and actually, it, it won't be that bad like playing, but mm-hmm. it'll be like the following day. Yeah. Have to bring some ibuprofen with me and sure. ice pack. Uh, well, obviously, I think that since that's the tougher golf course, that's more of a survive and advance round anyway. So if you can get out that morning, you know, jump out, take advantage of the easier golf course, kind of survive that afternoon. Is hopefully, you know, I, I always look at those golf courses and those rounds later in the day as a chance to separate because I'm hoping that people start drinking. I'm hoping people get a little bit loose, and I'm hoping that, that golf course sneaks up and and ask people to do things that they can't do and i'll just continue to do things that i can do that's that's kind of my strategy for the east course and west course i haven't seen the west course i've only seen the east course um but both courses feel like just a big park mammoth mossy oak Mm -hmm. combined and just to add context we we were told uh last week that it's the east course that um it would be walking only so that's what we're talking about yes correct um, as far as, um, the NIT goes wrapping it up again, thank you to Aaron for all the work that she's putting in. Thank you to the up for the platform to be able to come. Um, before we move on, Aaron put together a, uh, bit of a player guide. And so I want to go through and highlight all the high cotton club guys. And, uh, in case you, you haven't seen it, you can go on the refuge under the NIT thread and check out what everybody's answers are to these questions beyond the high cotton guys. There's 90 people in the field, so there's 90 people to go through. But um, as far as the high cotton guys go, we'll start off with the man D-Ball. His refuge name is HHS Ball Coach. He's from the state of Alabama. His walk-up song is Cocaine Country Dancing. His favorite PGA Tour player is Lee Hodges. His favorite LPGA Tour player is Lauren Coughlin. Coughlin. <laughs> Uh, I want to say Coughlin all the time, Coughlin. Uh, occupation, he's a teacher and a coach. And one word to describe his golf game is bipolar. And he got his bid through the Reese Club Championship. Josh, um, a.k.a. Uncle Rico, his refuge name is H. Worth. He's from the fine state of Alabama. His walk-up song is The Champ Is Here by Jada Kiss. His uh, favorite PGA Tour player is Max Homa. His favorite LPGA Tour player is Nelly Corda. His favorite book right now is Atomic Habits. His occupation is also a teacher. One word for his golf game would be streaky, and he earned his bid through his play at the Extinction. Uh, next up, also from the fine state of Alabama, shows the High Cotton Club, more than just the Tennessee series, baby. Um, Jim Sand, also known as Joseph M. Sand. He's from Alabama, like I said. His walk-up song is Six Pack by Jeff the Brotherhood. Have not heard that. Interested to look it up. Uh, his favorite PGA Tour player, Max Homa, which I think that's, probably the overwhelming number one mm-hmm. from the media guide. Um, favorite LPGA tour player, Daniel Kang. Big fan of Daniel myself, so like that one. Um, his favorite movie right now is Killers of the Flower Moon. Occupation, he's an automotive customer service. One word uh, to describe his golf game would be lamentable. Did I say that right? Lamentable? I'm the wrong person to ask on that. <laughs> uh, and he earned his bid through the Donnybrook, uh, no laying ups event over in Pinehurst. You, Mr. John Stewart, a.k.a. Mr. 64, your refuge name, J-Rob, 
0822. You want to tell us where the numbers come from? Um, is that a, this is automatically. Yeah. Like the first screen name I ever had when we got internet, when I was a kid was J Rob 0822. So I've always just used it. All right. Um, <laughs> shout out AOL. Obviously, you are from right here in Tennessee. Your walk-up song is It's a Fight by 3-6 Mafia, which we love. Big fan. Um, so your favorite PGA Tour player. You took a different strategy for I, these I questions, time. which I liked. I liked that a lot. Payne Stewart and LPGA, Natalie Goldis, which I, I really liked. A little different angle for those questions. Um, your favorite podcast right now is The Smiley Show, right after Dialed In, the podcast by the High Cotton Club. Um, your occupation, you are a commercial banker. And a part-time killer. Um, your golf game, one word to describe that is three putt par. Chef's kiss. And you earned your bid also through the Rouge Club Championship. Finally, myself, I'm from right here in Tennessee. My walk-up song is Hit List by that Mexican OT. If you know, you know. Uh, my favorite PGA Tour player would be Justin Thomas. My favorite LPGA Tour player, I picked Charlie Hole. That was just a pick. Um, read the media guide, find out more information on that pick. Um, my favorite movie right now, um, watch the film by Cameron Haynes, Once We Were Wolves. Really enjoyed that. Would highly recommend that on YouTube. Um, I put Cowboys, my occupation, because, I mean, there's no other way to describe what I do. I just take care of animals and do this shit all day. So, hey, I'm, I'm high cotton cowboy. Um, golf game, one word. I said dog. We were actually a little messed up um, after the pinnacle parlay when I was filling this out. And I was just asking Alex Kreider and Ricky, like, hey, what's this? What's this? What's this? So that's how we got dog. And my bid was a uh, 2022 NIT flight winner, which is uh, the caddy bib over my shoulder. That's where that's from. And we hope to get another one here this week. So where did you – if you made the finals, why did you get a caddy bib? Because you get a caddy. And so they give you a caddy bib for your caddy. Oh, okay. Cool. And then you get to take that. So that's the goal. That's a nice. That's a nice little keepsake. Yeah, we like we like that. We like that a whole lot. All right. Uh, again, excited to head to the NIT, but we also have other stuff going on in the High Cotton Club. Mainly the High Cotton Classic, kind of supposed to be wrapped up right now, but with Josh and D Ball in the finals, traveling for the Roos Club Championship, traveling for the NIT with uh, Mr. Sam Roten and Philip Cooey having some pre-existing. Uh, trips that kind of offset those trips that Josh and D-Ball were taking. We're in the middle of an extension, awaiting an update on when this match is going to be played. Obviously, we talked a couple episodes ago about Sam Roten getting a uh, promotion at 12 Stone, so a little bit more responsibility for him right now as he makes that transition into the full-time head pro. Um, so we will see. Uh, this match will take place at Toey Club, which I think is a great venue for it with uh, – Roten and Cooey getting several shots. That's a place that at least D-Ball and Josh can have other par fives to make up for those shots if they come on par fives. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a good a good venue for it. They it's sort of in the middle as well, so you know one's not driving any further than the other is. Um, I've always liked I've always liked Tally Club, so it, it's kind of a unique format because you or unique layout because it does have six par threes. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where all the shots fall. Do you have a pick? Well, of course, my heart wants to cheer for D-Ball and Josh, but, you know, anytime that Kui and Sam are going to be getting shots, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough match. Saw it firsthand. Uh, Kui had a hot player that day, so 
you know, put away me and Burris. But I, my heart says D-Ball and Josh. My heart hopes D-Ball and Josh. Uh, my gut says Roten and Cooey. So uh, I just hope that D-Ball and Josh can can come out with their, you know, A-ish games. That's what they're going to need, if not A-plus. And it's going to take Roten and Cooey not having that. And so it all depends on who shows up that day. Yeah, and I actually played golf with uh, Sam on Saturday. And he hit the ball pretty well. Um, I got a little bit of re- revenge from him. I sank a 20-footer on the last hole to beat him. So got a little bit of revenge. We like that. Um, moving into our question and answer segment from Brendan Hoover, who I played with in the final round of the Rooster Club Championship or the NIT last year. He asked, Who is Connor most afraid of in his presumed flight at the NIT? And I DM'd him when he asked this question. I said, I only fear God. <laughs> I ain't scared. That's a good answer. I ain't scared. If you're scared, go to church. Um, scared money don't win money. Clay asked, with Levis getting the dub, will Connor change his Titans takes? Absolutely not. I ran out of time this morning, but I wanted to get some stats in front of me to uh, spell out how I feel about this. So I'm going to try to go off the dome. The Falcons had a top 10 rated pass defense heading into the game yesterday. It was number nine. They're now number 16 in the league. They dropped seven spots based on one performance. And that performance was, yes, from Will Levis, but it was mainly DeAndre Hopkins who – Four receptions, three touchdowns, only targeted six times in the game. If you're only going to target your number one receiver six times in the game, you're not going to be a successful offense in the NFL. You played a team that is a perennial 500 team that needed to lose that game to get back to 500. The Titans were going to win that game if Stu was at quarterback. It's destined that the Falcons were going to lose that game. So don't give me Will Levis this, Will Levis that. If you want to give me Will Levis this, Will Levis that, then let me counter you with this. You played Desmond Ritter and then his backup. Uh, what's the kid Heineke. from Washington? Yeah, Heineke, who's dog. No disrespect to him. And you won by what, five points? With your rookie quarterback throwing for four touchdowns? You barely won the game against a 500 team? So all this hope from Titans fans um, – I think this is exactly what the Titans do. They, they're they're subpar, borderline poverty uh, franchise in the NFL. They're a tier three franchise. Now that I'm not a Titans fan, I can clearly say they're a tier three franchise. There's the there's the OGs, there's the elite uh, teams, there's the teams that have really good fan bases and are consistently there, and then there's people like the Titans. Titans might even be tier four, but when you start to compare a, a team like the Titans going in and not being a good team, but then, you know, getting the win against another not good team. And all of a sudden there's hope because the Titans are three and zero at home. Mike Vrabel's a great coach after the bye week. You gave Will Levis two weeks to prepare for a average NFL football team. And now he's got two days to prepare to go to Pittsburgh. Just be prepared. Titans fans. That's all I'm saying. I, I could keep going, but yeah. What a Debbie downer. Induct him in the Hall of Fame already. Put Will Levis in the Hall of Fame. That's where he belongs. Put me in the Titans fan Hall of Fame because I'm, I'm, I need to to talk to some more of these people, and we need to start a ground level resurgence of the Titans fan base where we're not okay with this, where they're not okay with this. Because I shouldn't say we anymore. I'm not part of it. 
but you, you have to go to AD, Amy Adams Strong. And I hear everybody's all excited about the alumni are there and the, the atmosphere is better. The fans booed Malik Willis when he came out on the field. That's a bad fan base. It's a bad fan base. You're trying to win a football game. You got to root on your guys. Bad fan base, bad team. Titans, Titans are bad. Will Levis, bad. Shout out Mayonnaise. He's bad. He's bad. He played great. That's fine. He's bad. He he can play great and still be bad, and you'll see that um, over the next two seasons. All right. Um, Clay also asks, non-extinction. I can't wait for the Discord to just come at me for those halfway uneducated, halfway half-baked ideas and, and takes, uh, but I believe in what I'm saying. Clay also asks, non-extinction, which 2024 event are you looking forward to the most? Hmm. It's a good question. I I go back and forth, but I think it's got to be the mother clucker. Yeah, hard to beat Mossy Oak. I, I'm excited for the Farmers Cup to go shut some people up, um, to go battle with the guys again. Shut um, some people up. You've been doing the the one doing all the talking. Yeah, well, <laughs> that that's 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 out out in front of everybody. You know, there's things that happen behind the scenes that nobody else knows about that uh, that make it personal. You know how I am when things are personal. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say the mother clucker, though. Yeah, I would agree with that. I uh, I love a good Ryder Cup, but unfortunately I'll be out of town for the Farmer's Cup. Um, life advice is something that you have made. Uh, how do I say this? An, a very valuable part of your personality in our friendship. I think D-Ball said it the other day in the group chat. You 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 give great advice. You know how to personalize it to whoever needs it. So I'm asking you to to personalize it to the High Cotton Club today. What do they need to hear? Probably take a page out of Ted Lasso's book. Oh, I like that. He always he's another one who always has great advice. So I love his stuff. But a lot of times, the way someone treats you says more about them than it does you. So not don't take things too personal mm. all the time mm. because a lot of times their own insecurities are, are what they're lashing out at. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, we're not the main character in their story. And so it's, it's important to remember that just because you have a certain interaction or a certain situation has, has an outcome that you may not have wanted or, or appreciated Maybe it's just them going through their own stuff and it has nothing to do with what we are doing. I like that. For me, short, sweet, from a great American, Teddy Roosevelt. Believe you can and you're halfway there. Amen. I like that. I like. I believe I can. I believe I can. You're the only man who's going to. If you don't believe it, who else is? Oh, everybody gonna believe it soon. We we gonna, we gonna feel that. We gonna feel that. Um, all right. Well, thank you everybody who has tuned into another episode, episode sixty six of Dialed In, a podcast by the High Cotton Club, presented by Unknown Golf. We'll see how all this media stuff works out, but uh, we hope you enjoy it. We hope we get some good stuff from it, and uh, we look forward to continuing the process and uh, just you know improving one percent all the time. But thank you so much, and have a good day. We'll see you soon. Some guys like it quiet, some guys like it loud. This is. Yeah, the gator need to look like me in his mask.
exercise, I don't know. Of course, the conditions now that he has to play the shot to test anyone. They've come a long way together, Jim, those two. It's a great story.